Hello, once again, this is Dr. Phil Fernandez, the founder of the Institute of Biblical Defense and the academic dean of Farriston Theological Seminary. Today's lecture is our first lecture on the cults. Our first lecture on the cults, and it's Mormonism, part one. Mormonism, part one. Before we begin our study, I'd like to mention briefly a few textbooks uh, that I would recommend when studying the cults. For the beginner, Larson's Book of Cults, Larson's Book of Cults, which is published by Tyndale and written by Bob Larson, is a real good uh, manual, a good encyclopedia-type work on the non-Christian cults. And uh, the amount of cults that are in here, there's an awful lot of them. I believe there's about 80 or 80 different cults that are mentioned. Uh, and you can get a lot of real good information from that. Now, unfortunately, some of the cults that he mentions are long gone. Uh, they're, uh, you know, they were fly by night and they flew, so they're gone. Uh, but Bob Larson's Book of Cults would be a helpful work. It's not real deep theologically. Uh, then a student could move on to uh, Josh McDowell and Don Stewart's work. Josh McDowell and Don Stewart's work, Understanding the Cults. Understanding the Cults. It's not a real big book. It's not real deep, but it's a little bit more concerned with theological and doctrinal issues than Bob Larson's book. So a student could graduate from Bob Larson's to... Uh, understanding the cults by Josh McDowell and Don Stewart. Now, uh, to save some money, uh, they've put together four of their books into Handbook of Today's Religions, which deals with secular religions, non-Christian religions, the cults, and the occult. And that's again by Josh McDowell and Don Stewart. So that that'd be a real helpful work there. But the premier work in the field is the Kingdom of the Cults, by the late Professor Walter Martin. Dr. Walter Martin, The Kingdom of the Cults. I have the older version. Now there's a uh, newer revised version. Uh, it's published by Bethany House Publishers. And it's the standard text in its field. Uh, I would recommend uh, this only for the student who's really been deep in, and is real grounded in his biblical theology and his uh, systematic theology because at times it's very easy to lose track of what Walter Martin is talking about and you forget if he's talking about a heresy or if he is refuting uh, a particular heresy at a point in time. It's easy to get off track in this if you're not real grounded in your theology. So the kingdom of the cults. Now, since the uh, late Dr. Walter Martin has passed on and new cults are arriving all the time, uh, it may, be, uh, it may be a good idea to refer to some other works that are being more kept up to date at the same time on the major cults, such as Mormonism, Christian Science, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, Unity School of Christianity. On the major cults, the Kingdom of the Cults is probably going to remain the standard text in its field. Then uh, one more work I'd like to mention before we get started uh, with today's discussion uh, in fact, I'll leave this. I'll leave the other work for when we discuss the uh, uh, Mormonism as we proceed. First off, when you start a course in the cults, 
you have to divine, uh, define what a cult is. You must define what a cult is. Now, Walter Martin has a definition of, a, of what a cult is on page... page 11 of his The Kingdom of the Cults and uh, just basically what he states here is a cult as I define it is any religious group which differs significantly in some one or more respects as to belief or practice from those religious groups which are regarded as the normative expressions of religion in our total culture. Now he states a little bit further here as I may add to this, that a cult might also be defined as a group of people gathered about a specific person or a person's misinterpretation of the Bible. And that's the key. They gather around a person's misinterpretation of the Bible and in a central area, in an essential area. Just because the Baptists like to dunk their converts, whereas uh, the Presbyterians might like to sprinkle uh, when it comes to baptism doesn't mean that the Presbyterians or the Baptists are cults. It must be in a, an essential area. Uh, a cult is basically a perversion or a distortion of biblical Christianity. But again, it must be in essential doctrines. It's a rejection of the central teachings of Christianity. And most of the cults, though, at the same time, claim to be the true faith, claim to be true Christianity, but they deny uh, the central teachings of the Christian faith. Now, the cults will deny at least one of these two doctrines. They'll deny at least one of these two doctrines or both. One is the deity of Christ. Look for them to deny the deity of Christ. They're going to explain away Christ. He's either going to be like uh, just Michael the Archangel become a man like the Jehovah's Witnesses teach, a lesser creation, a lesser God, uh, God's first creation. Or he's going to be like the Mormons say he's one of many gods. Or the Christian scientist, he's just a man who has the God consciousness within him as all men do. So the cult will deny the deity of Christ and or, number two, salvation by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. The cult will deny one of these two doctrines or both, the deity of Christ and salvation by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. And so with that brief background on the cults, in fact, let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me give one passage and then we'll get off our background on the cults and we'll move forward to the Mormons, the Mormon faith, the Church of uh, Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, as they like to call themselves. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 to 15. Paul talking about false teachers, he states, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore it is not surprising 
if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness whose end shall be according to their deeds in this same chapter earlier in this chapter uh, Paul talks about in verse 4 that some people come and preach another Jesus whom we have not preached and he warns the Corinthians not to receive a different spirit which you have not received a spirit different than uh, the Holy Spirit or a different gospel which you have not accepted you bear this beautifully you see in the world of the cults in the kingdom of the cults there is uh, definite uh, spiritual experiences that are taking place but the spirit is not the Holy Spirit it is demonic spirits uh, and not only is there a spiritual experience but it's a perversion of the gospel it's not the true gospel the true good news the true salvation message taught in the scriptures and it is not the Jesus of the Bible so look for those two key areas whenever you examine the cults and not only look for them to find out where they stand on the deity of Christ uh, but also look where they stand where the cult also stands uh, salvation by grace alone through faith alone and Jesus alone uh, but also keep the conversation focused on those two areas yes it's a, it'd be nice if the Mormons would get rid of their views on uh, their, their temple services and on their uh, their views of the priesthood uh, but we need to keep the focus on the person of Christ and the gospel message salvation by God's grace alone through faith alone and Christ alone uh, rather than argue on some of these other areas which are vitally important for instance though I believe that Jesus Christ bodily rose from the dead I would not spend the bulk of my time trying to prove that Christ rose bodily to a Jehovah's Witness who believes that Christ rose spiritually uh, I would like to spend the bulk of my time with Jehovah's Witness trying to get them to recognize that the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh and that the Bible teaches salvation by God's grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone and once uh, we get some type of agreement on that then we can move on to these other matters which are very important at the same time uh, there it is not the the most prominent features of the gospel message okay let's take a look at Mormonism Mormonism the official name is the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints now again just as I had some books to recommend on the cults I also have some books to recommend uh, on Mormonism itself probably the definitive work in the field is by Professor Walter Martin uh, the maze of Mormonism uh, it's an easy to read book and he gets real deep in his reputation of Mormonism also Ed Decker has written a book I believe he co-authored it with Dave Hunt uh, but Ed Decker wrote a book The God Makers and he's a former Mormon and uh, he wrote a book about it about Mormonism called The God Makers which is uh, real uh, some real good material uh, there uh, I have in my hand the Book of Mormon and the Doctrines and Covenants and Pearl of Great Price 
which you can buy nice hard-covered books they're the mormon writings that contain the, uh, a, a great bulk of the mormon teachings not all the mormon teachings because the mormons believe in a living prophet so their teachings go on and on uh but you can buy them real cheap at your local mormon bookstore however i recommend that if you go there don't give them your uh name and address once you give them your name and address you'll find all kinds of things showing up in the mail and uh if you go to the mormon bookstore they're going to think that you're interested in them and you're going to receive uh visitors and uh if you want the visitors leave your address there i left my address there but if you don't want mormons to be visiting you every other day uh then don't leave your address there if you go to the mormon bookstore and pick up some of their writings uh, i'd also recommend that you get grounded in the word and grounded in your theology and the uh, true theology before you try to refute error just as a banker uh literally must uh deal with uh thousands upon thousands of authentic dollar bills and $20 bills and $50 bills uh before they actually start doing any work uh we need to know the truth in such a way that we'll easily be able to refute uh a counterfeit uh also the truth restored truth restored is another book put out by the mormons that you can buy at your local bookstore and it gives their version of the history of the mormon church uh which is helpful in some areas but at the same time it's uh uh obviously a little bit biased in other areas uh and then finally one more book by Gleason L Archer uh, a survey of old testament introduction and the only reason why i refer to this is there's one appendix in the book uh which is titled acronisms and historical inaccuracies in the mormon scriptures and what he does there is he he shows that the book of mormon is not a historical book and he brings up many of the mistakes that are in it and he does so in about four or five pages so that's something you might want to look into and has some valuable information there so let's discuss mormonism mormonism the church of jesus christ latter-day saints first let's talk about the history of the mormon faith Joseph Smith was apparently a mystic. Uh he liked to dabble in all different forms of the occult. There seems to be some strong evidence that links him uh with the Masonic lodge. Uh but he was a mystic. He would often dig for buried treasure. Uh and he would dabble in different areas of the world of the occult. Uh the secret or hidden arts. Uh, things forbidden by the scriptures in 1820 while he was a teenager in 1820 while he was a teenager he couldn't decide which church to join at that point he went into the woods and he began praying aloud then according to young joseph smith god the father and jesus both appeared bodily to him now of course the scriptures teach that god is spirit the triune god the father son and holy spirit is is spirit but that only god the second person of the trinity became a man at a point in time so that only god the second person of the trinity now has a body the other two members do not but young joseph smith said that god the father and jesus both appeared 
bodily to him. And they told them not to join any church because they were all abominations in their sight. Now, very often Mormons will get real upset because you tell them that you don't believe they're a Christian faith. Uh, but here, their own founder said that God told him that all the Protestant churches were abominations in, in uh, their sight. And then uh, the Father and the Son also told them that uh, uh, the Catholic Church was the whore of Babylon. And so Joseph Smith did not hold any of the churches, whether Protestant uh, or Catholic, did not hold any of the churches uh, that we refer to as Christian churches today. Uh, he did not hold them in very high esteem. And so when Christians say that the Mormon faith is not Christian, not only is that a true statement, uh, but it is also, uh, it's, it's, it's not anything uh, that should horrify them because their own founder uh, would often use uh, uh, strong language to describe any faith other than the Mormon faith. In 1823, three years after he went into the woods to decide what church to go to and the uh, father and the son supposedly appeared to him, in 1823, the angel Moroni, the angel Moroni told him about the Book of Mormon. The angel Moroni told him about the Book of Mormon, and in 1830, the Book of Mormon was published after Joseph Smith supposedly translated it from Egyptian. So 1823, the angel Moroni tells him about the Book of Mormon. 1830, the Book of Mormon is supposed is. Uh, published after Joseph Smith supposedly translated it from Egyptian. Now Smith was uh, apparently given a uh, claim to have been given authority to reactivate the Aaronic, which is also you know named after Aaron, Moses' brother, or the Levitical, the Aaronic or Levitical priesthood, as well as the uh, priesthood of Melchizedek. And so he reactivated those, and both those orders are, priesthoods are functioning today in the Mormon church. Smith's prophecies uh, moved the Mormons, as time went on, he moved them further and further away. Every time he opened his mouth, they got further and further away from Orthodox Christianity. Uh, Smith began to practice and later encouraged polygamy, the practice of having more than one wife. In fact, in the Doctrines and Covenants, the Doctrines and Covenants, uh, chapter 132 and uh, verse 54 uh, Joseph Smith says God's supposedly talking to Joseph Smith and he states this and I command mine handmaid Emma Smith to abide and cleave unto my servant Joseph and to none else but if she will not abide this commandment she shall be destroyed saith the Lord so Emma Smith has to be Joseph's first wife, has to be loyal to Joseph or God's going to destroy her. Uh, but then, in the very next verse, it states this, But if she will not abide this commandment, then shall my servant Joseph do all things for her, even as he hath said. And I will bless him and multiply him and give unto him and hundredfold in this world. So God's going to bless Joseph Smith bountifully. 
uh, it says God says that he will multiply him and give unto him an hundredfold in this world of fathers and mothers brothers and sisters houses and lands wives and children and crowns of eternal lives in the eternal world so God's got a twofold message there according to at least the God of Joseph Smith and that twofold message is uh, number one Emma Smith remain loyal to your husband or God will destroy you and number two God's going to bless Joseph Smith with many wives and so Joseph Smith practiced and later encouraged polygamy uh, Joseph Smith destroyed eventually he destroyed a local newspaper printing press that had exposed the polygamy that was going on within the Mormon fellowship he destroyed a local newspaper printing press that exposed their polygamy uh, he was arrested and while in jail he was murdered by an angry mob that stormed the jail and that's Joseph Smith the founder of Mormonism one of Smith's apostles was Brigham Young one of Smith's apostles was Brigham Young and after Smith's death he became prophet and leader of the church of the Mormon church he brought the Mormons from upstate New York across the country to Utah and because of polygamy many Mormons during the time of Brigham Young were being imprisoned so the practice of polygamy was running rampant the Mormons were very aggressive when they spread their faith that's one of the reasons why they grew in numbers another reason was you had some guys with you know five to seven wives and each one of them was having four or five kids so it was not uncommon for one guy to have 35 kids and it doesn't you know it doesn't take a PhD in mathematics to figure out that the Mormon church is going to grow rapidly in just a couple of generations if they continue that polygamy now uh, a later Mormon prophet they always have uh, one living prophet who speaks uh, pretty much like the Pope does when he speaks ex cathedra he has infallibility uh, the living prophet is the mouthpiece of God and he prophesies for God and Wilford Woodruff not to be mistaken with Woodrow Wilson Wilford Woodruff uh, was a later Mormon prophet who God supposedly spoke to him uh, to state that polygamy was no longer allowed however that was at a time when they were getting tremendous pressure from the federal government and uh, so it seems more like the God of the Mormons back down to the federal government than a new revelation uh, coming into the picture that's why polygamy is not practiced today you know if there's any Mormon wives that are listening to the tape right now I would strongly have you really think about this because uh, as America gets more promiscuous and as we allow homosexual marriages to take place the day may come when polygamy may once again be allowed and I believe that's the only thing keeping the Mormon Church uh, from bringing this back in and holding more purely to the teachings of Joseph Smith uh, is the fact that the US government would not allow them to get away with it now there may be a lot of good Mormon men that are at least good in that area although they're not Christians uh, and not saved they that may be loyal to their wives and never marry others 
uh, I think the possibility is there. And, and uh, finally, in Mormon history, 1978 is, is significant because Negroes were allowed for the first time into the Mormon priesthood, despite the Mormon teaching that black skin is a curse. So Negroes were allowed into the Mormon priesthood in 1978, despite the fact that the Mormon faith teaches that black skin is a curse, which of course it is not a curse. Some basic statistics on the Mormon faith. Their headquarters is in Salt Lake City, Utah. They have the headquarters in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, their major school is Brigham Young University. They, uh, a fine football team. Uh, they excel in academics. So the headquarters Salt Lake City, Utah. Their school is Brigham Young University. The Mormon Tabernacle Choir. I'm sure we've all heard of that. Uh, an outstanding and very professional choir that uh, has produced uh, many albums that have touched the lives of many people. And then the growth of the Mormon church is that there, uh, at the time of Walter Martin's writing, there were five million Mormons worldwide. I would believe that number is much higher than that at this point. So that's just some of the statistics of the Mormon faith. Now the sacred writings of the Mormon faith, sacred writings of the Mormon faith. Uh, number one is the Bible. Number one is the Bible, but put in parentheses next to that, so long as it is translated correctly. That is what they will tell you. So long as it is translated correctly. They will knock on your door and they will show up with the Book of Mormon, but they will also show up with the Bible and often the doctrines and covenants and pearl of great price. But they'll have their Bible with them, and whenever you show them something in the Bible which contradicts uh, any of their other teachings, any Mormon teachings, they'll argue with you about the interpretation, but if you pin them down on it, and you put them in a corner to where there's no way out, then they'll say, well, of course, we don't know if it's translated correctly. However, we do know that uh, God uh, translated the Book of Mormon straight through uh, Joseph Smith, and so we know that that is uh, a higher authority. In other words, when it comes right down to it, though they pay lip service to the Bible, the Bible is submitted. If the Bible contradicts any of their other teachings, uh, the Bible is submitted to it, and therefore the other teachings also. They say the Bible, so long as it is translated correctly, and by the way, they have very little. The average Mormon that knocks on your door, though he's very well trained in defending Mormonism, they have very little training in uh, the manuscript evidence uh, that that uh, goes goes with the Bible. The manuscript evidence that proves the Bible is an accurate and reliable uh, uh, copy of the originals. Secondly, they have the Book of Mormon. Now, the Book of Mormon is the book that they use in an attempt to convert uh, professing Christians. If somebody's going to a Christian church, they're going to use the Book of Mormon to give you. They're not going to give you Doctrines and Covenants and Pearl of Great Price. They'll give you the Book of Mormon. Uh, supposedly, it's the ancient account of Hebrews who left the Holy Land for America. 
So the Book of Mormon contains supposedly the ancient account of Hebrews who left the Holy Land for America, covers a time period from about 2200 B.C. to 421 A.D. 2200 B.C. to 421 A.D. You have the Lamanites, which now are our modern-day modern Indians, American Indians, the Lamanites and the Nephites, and it covers a visit to America by Jesus. Jesus supposedly visited America according to the Mormons. It turns out to be an archaeological joke. Josh McDowell has written on this. Uh, Walter Martin has written on this. Gleason, Gleason Archer has written on this. Archaeologically, there's the only evidence that is out there refutes and goes against what the Mormons claim occurred in America in the distant past. And uh, the evidence seems to point to the fact that uh, the Book of Mormon was actually plagiarized, Smith plagiarized it from a retired pastor. A retired Christian pastor had, wrote, had written a novel uh, which was a fairy tale about Hebrews who left the Holy Land for America. His name was Solomon Spaulding. And even handwriting uh, handwriting experts have confirmed that uh, this was Solomon Spaulding's writing. He had never published this one. The ones that he had published, though, other ones were very similar. And uh, handwriting experts have linked it into Solomon Spaulding. And so it was just a novel by a, from a retired pastor's pen. So the Bible and the Book of Mormon. Another uh, sacred writing is the Doctrine and Covenants. Doctrine and Covenants, which contains most of Mormon doctrine. Contains most of Mormon doctrine. The reason why it doesn't contain all of the Mormon doctrines is because you have prophecies by the living prophets. Over the years, they've continued after it. Doctrines and Covenants contains most of Mormon doctrine contains priesthood functions, uh, the plan of eternal progression. The plan of eternal progression is there that you, you get perfected more and more throughout eternity and uh, eventually you can become a god someday. Uh, the plurality of gods, more than one god, and the principle of principles of polygamy are also in there. As far as the plurality of gods in the uh, doctrines and covenants. In fact, it's in the Book of Abraham. The Book of Abraham is actually in the Pearl of Great Price. So let's hold off that for a moment. For the doctrines and covenants contains most of Mormon doctrine. And in the Pearl of Great Price, you have the Book of Moses. The Book of Moses, which is an ex expanded uh, book of Genesis. Also in the Pearl of Great Price, you have the book of Abraham, which is supposed to be Abraham's writings while in Egypt. And then you have the official history of the Mormon church. That's in the Pearl of Great Price. Now, in the Pearl of Great Price, which contains the book of Moses, the book of Abraham, and the official history of the Mormon church, in the Pearl of Great Price, in the book of Abraham, Abraham chapter 5, verse 7, and it reads this, And the gods formed man from the dust of the ground. So it says, and the gods, in the plural, and the gods formed man from the dust 
of the ground. Uh, over and over again in chapter 4, it says, And the gods prepared the earth to bring forth the living creatures after his kinds. Verse 24. Verse 25. And the gods organized the earth to bring forth the beast after their kind. Verse 26. And the gods took counsel among themselves and said, Let us go down and form man in our image after our likeness. This is why you do not receive a free gift called the doctrines and covenants and pearl of great price uh, when they're witnessing to you if you have a Christian background. If you have a Christian background, they're going to give you the Book of Mormon. In fact, they assume that almost every American has a Christian background, and so what you're going to get is a Book of Mormon and not the doctrines and covenants. Now, the Book of Mormon, on the other hand, is going to say things that are much more compatible with Christianity, probably because uh, it was written by a retired Christian pastor by a retired Christian preacher. Now, uh, in the Book of Alma, in the Book of Mormon, in the Book of Alma, chapter 11, verse 44, in the middle of that verse it states this, uh, And be arraigned before the bar of Christ the Son and God the Father and the Holy Spirit, which is one eternal God. Let me repeat that. Christ the Son and God the Father and the Holy Spirit, which is one eternal God. The Mormons today believe that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three separate gods. The Mormons believe that you can become a god someday so that there's many gods. You can't even count how many gods there are. There's so many. They go on and on and on. Uh, yet, in the Book of Mormon itself, and again, remember that Joseph Smith's doctrine evolved. The more prophecies he made, the further he got from the Christian faith. Uh, but right there, it teaches actually the doctrine of the Trinity. The Christ, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, and these are the one eternal God. Three persons, but one God. Uh, so when they hand you a Book of Mormon, it's going to seem to be, theologically speaking, historically and archaeologically, it's a joke. But uh, theologically, it's going to sound very compatible with Christianity. And so a lot of people, when they start reading through this, they're going to say, hey, uh, everybody says they're not Christians, but it sounds real Christian to me. I didn't read anything so far that taught a doctrine different than what I've learned as a Christian. You'll find no teachings in the Book of Mormon about there being any more than one God. You'll find no teachings in there uh, telling you, teaching you that you should uh, or you can practice polygamy. You're not going to, in the Book of Mormon, you're not going to find uh, so many of the Mormon doctrines that you would find in Doctrines and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, and the prophecies of the living prophets. In fact, one lady that had been a Mormon and then accepted the Lord and made a video, she was talking to a, a gentleman and she said, well, one of the problems with them, and she was trying to lead him to the Lord, she said, one of the problems with your faith, the man was a Mormon, is that you believe you can become a god someday. He said, no, I don't. And she said, well, the Mormon church teaches that. He said, no, no, we don't. We don't teach that. And she said, well, why don't you go to your Mormon bishop and ask him if the Mormon church teaches him. But it teaches that. But if the Mormon, if your bishop says no, we don't teach that you can become a god someday. 
And just remember what he said. Keep it in your mind. He wanted to ask his Mormon bishop, and his Mormon bishop, knowing that this man had come from a Christian background, said, No. That's a lie from the pits of hell. Everybody's spreading that around. We don't believe you can become a god someday. The Mormon bishop apparently didn't feel the man was ready for it. Seven years later, the Mormon bishop took that man aside and started teaching him the doctrine of eternal progression where he, where he could become a god someday, and it clicked. Immediately, the man remembered seven years earlier that same Mormon bishop lying to him. And uh, that caused, so that lady had planted a seed that seven years later germinated and enabled uh, that man uh, to leave the Mormon faith. But that's the way they are. They're very protective. They're very smart about the way they handle things. And they don't give a Christian more, they don't allow a Christian to bite off more than he can chew. And so they'll give you the Book of Mormon because it seems to be theologically very compatible uh, with Christianity. In fact, that's one of the verses that I use several times in the Book of Mormon. It teaches that the Christ, the Father, and the Holy Spirit are the one God. And uh, so I often use that to throw a wrench into the uh, 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 Mormon uh, missionaries when they come knocking at the door and ask them, how can the, the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be three gods and yet at the same time be one God? Uh, so the sacred writings of the Mormons are the Bible, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrines and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price, but also the prophecies of their living prophets. The prophecies of their living prophets. Now in the remainder of this lecture and on into the next lecture, I want to talk about Mormon theology and then attempt to refute Mormon theology. Number one, Mormon theology denies the Trinity. Mormon theology denies the Trinity. The Mormon faith teaches that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three separate gods. So Mormon theology denies the Trinity. They teach that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three separate gods. Yet, even the Book of Mormon disagrees with them. Their own Book of Mormon disagrees with them. Besides that passage in Alma that I spoke of, 2 Nephi, chapter 31, verse 21, also teaches that the Father, the Christ, and the Holy Ghost are the one God. So even the Book of Mormon disagrees with them on this point when they teach that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three separate gods. Now, in the Scriptures, we find that in Titus 2.13, Titus 2.13, the scriptures teach us that Jesus Christ is God. Paul says, uh, talks about the fact that we should joyfully await the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. He refers to it as the blessed hope. But he refers to Jesus Christ as our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So Jesus is referred to as God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 1 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 1 refers to the Father as God. So the Father is called God. And then in Acts chapter 5 verses 3 and 4, Acts chapter 5 verses 3 and 4, the Holy Spirit is referred to as God. Ananias and Sapphira have lied to God and Peter says, 
you have not you lied to the Holy Spirit and then in the next verse he says you have not lied to man but to God lying to the Holy Spirit is lying to God so from these three passages as well as many others we find that the Father is called God the Son is called God the Holy Spirit is called God but then Isaiah 43 10 and let's take a look at that passage it's probably the most important passage when you deal with the Mormon Isaiah 43 and verse 10 reads as follows you are my witnesses declares the Lord and my servant whom I have chosen in order that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he before me there was no God formed and there will be none after me now all through Isaiah it says there is only one God but whenever you present that to Mormons they come right out and say yeah but that means only one God of this planet every planet has its own God and so that means that this planet has only one God but in this passage it very clearly says before me there was no God formed and there will be none after me nobody's going to become a God after God nobody's going to become a God before God there is only God God alone is God throughout all eternity so the Father's called God the Son's called God the Holy Spirit's called God yet the Bible teaches there is only one God now some people try to say yeah but then uh, that means they're all one person they're all the same person but in Matthew 3 16 and 17 Jesus is baptized he comes out of the water the Holy Spirit comes upon him like a dove and the voice from heaven says this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased so in Matthew 3 16 and 17 we see that the Father Son and Holy Spirit are three separate persons also John chapter 14 verse 26 let me read that passage to you John chapter 14 and verse 26 Jesus is speaking and he states when the helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father he will bear witness of me so Jesus says when the helper the Holy Spirit comes that's one person I that's two persons will send the uh, will send to you whom I will send to you in other words uh, when the when the Holy Spirit comes whom I will send to you from the Father that's the third person so the Bible clearly teaches the Father is God the Son is God the Holy Spirit is God there is only one God but the Father Son and Holy Spirit are three separate persons in other words the Bible teaches the doctrine of the Trinity that there is only one true God but this one true God eternally exists as three equal persons the Father Son and Holy Spirit and so the Mormon church there's many different ways to deny the Trinity the Mormon church denies the Trinity by saying that they are three separate gods number two in Mormon theology the second portion of Mormon theology I'd like to talk real briefly about is their teaching that there are many gods even beyond the Father Son and Holy Spirit that's the that's three right there they believe in many more besides that as well so as Christianity teaches only one God Isaiah 43 verse 10 before me there was no God formed nor will there be one after me the Mormon faith believes in many gods first Timothy 2 5 teaches there is only one God first Corinthians 8 4 to 6 
in 1 Corinthians 10, 19 to 20, Exodus 20, verses 1 to 6, Isaiah 45, 5 to 7, the list goes on and on. The Bible teaches over and over again there is only one God, yet the Mormons not only deny the Trinity, but believe there are many gods. We'll pick this up on the other side of the cassette. Thank you and God bless you.